You're listening to Rockland Community Church, connecting all generations to Jesus. The scripture this morning is from Romans chapter 6, verses 5 through 11. If we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing, so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe we will also live with him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. The word of the Lord. Well, it is good to be with you on this Easter, and I want to say welcome one more time. We've got um, guests here. My name's Jim. I'm the lead pastor, and I'd love to get to meet you and chat with you at some point. If we can serve you, um, please don't hesitate to reach out at any time after the service or during the week. And kids, we're glad you're here as well, and you should have a packet So when I'm up here talking, you might hear some words that are in your packet, and you can be checking them off. Listen for these Easter words like alive, or resurrection, or cheeseburger and fries, or, you know, Easter words, something like that. I think that one's on there too, burger and fries. Um, We're glad you're here, and it it is good to be here. I'm glad everybody's here. I'm glad I'm here. Because um, it has been, I don't know if you remember, it has been three years now since I've been here and you've been here, Rockland. Um, Two years ago, so in 2020, we had this little thing called COVID. And then in 2021, I had this little thing called COVID. And if you're not a church person, just know that around Easter is not a great time for a pastor to get sick. And I was, and so I have not been here on Easter with you, and you haven't been here since 2019. So when I say, it's good to be with you on Easter, I really mean, it is good to be with you on Easter. It's been an odd, uh, yeah, it is good. It it was an odd couple years, like the the one when no one was here, and I was just yelling at a camera 100 feet away and being like, I hope someone's watching on the other end, or I'm just ranting to the wall in the back, you know? And then um, when, I was, when I was out with COVID, my big symptom was sleepiness. And so I believe it was Easter Sunday that my, my Fitbit told me that I got 21 hours of sleep. I'm pretty excited. <laughs> Sounds pretty glorious, actually. Um, but, you know, I, I've, um, this year especially, I've really grown in my love and my appreciation for this Lenten season, this Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday. Um, Many of you know, if you've been here, you've you've got the two big high holidays of the church. You've got Christmas and you've got um, Easter as well. And I've always been a big Christmas guy, which is in 252 days, by the way. So we're almost there. 
Christmas. And then Easter, I've, I've been excited about Easter. I'm glad for Easter. I'm, but this year I thought, I wonder if I can just grow in my, in my understanding and grow in my affection just for Easter and what we're celebrating on Easter Sunday. And I, I actually have, and so I want to share with you what I've done, and maybe it's something that could be helpful for you as well to grow in your appreciation of what we're celebrating this Easter. And it's this simple truth that I realized. <clears throat> Easter is not just for someday, but it's for every day. Easter is not just for someday, but it's for every day. More on that in a moment. But I know, like, why did you need to grow in your understanding of Easter? It has nothing to do with, like, is the message of Easter, you know, awesome enough? Because the message of Easter, what was accomplished through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, is the most amazing truth the world has ever known. You have Christ that came to earth, lived this perfect life, went to the cross and died, and Rome had every reason to keep this one that they called the king of the Jews, keep him in the tomb, and they couldn't do it. And three days later, the tomb was empty, and Jesus rose. But even um, more happened, or really there's a lot of layers of that, so let's look at it. You heard it read, saying, if we have been united with him, Jesus, in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. This is Paul writing to the church in Rome. If we've been united with him, with Jesus, in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. So all the things that are going to follow, in fact, what he just said about being united in his resurrection is not something that everybody automatically has. Notice what he says. He says, if we have been united with him in a death like his. These promises are for Christians. This is not universal salvation that everybody just in, intuitively has or inherently has. This is, it's offered, and then we receive this gift of grace, and we trust Christ. And so the key here is being united with him in a death like his. We go, I better get that right then. What does it mean? And there's at least a couple things that it means. There's many things, but one is just acknowledging what his death did. To be united in his death is meaning I'm acknowledging what his death did, that he is the Passover lamb. And then it says in 1 Corinthians, it says, our Christ, our Passover lamb has been sacrificed. This is a reference to the Old Testament Exodus when the Passover, the angel, went over um, Egypt and struck down the firstborn. And what happened? You put the blood of the lamb on your doorpost and the angel would pass over you and you would be spared by the blood of the lamb. And now we look at what Christ has done, and we say we are forgiven because his sacrifice appeased the wrath of God towards our sin. Amen. That's what we do. And so this is the saying, Jesus is my Savior. Jesus is our Savior, that he paid the price. We trust that you paid for sin. And the second piece of it is, um, what does it mean to say that um, we're united with him? <coughs> excuse me, in a death like his, simply means that there's, um, when you come to faith in Christ, it's like your old self, we'll see in a minute, has died and you are born again, that you are born anew, that that was the old you and there's a new you. And so <clears throat> at this point, what we do is we say, I was boss, I was Lord of my own life. And now we get to a point because Christ has died because of what he's done, I surrender my rights to him, that he is Lord Savior and Lord. Savior's great. Oh, we like the Savior part. Lord is where it gets a little tricky. I surrender my life to you. 
But he says, if you have done this, if you have made Christ Lord and Savior, then if we've been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. And then down in verse eight, it says, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. Simply put, he is alive and with God, and we who trust in him as Lord and Savior will one day be with God as well. That death is not the end for us. Gosh, that helps in our world today to know that this is not the end, doesn't it? Think about the, the stress and the anxiety. Just pull up, pull up your Twitter feed and just look at what, what calamity has struck our world today. And Christians can know that I trust my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and death is not the end. This is not my home. I live for there. That's why every Christian deathbed is actually a resurrection bed. That every Christian grave has a stone, if you will, rolled away that we rise and that we are with him. This is amazing news. It's not just that Jesus was a great philosopher or teacher or just a really, really nice guy, because there were lots of those throughout history. This is one who died, he was crucified, and he rose. If he had just died, if he'd been crucified and just stayed in the grave, we ain't talking about him today. But he did this amazing thing of rising from the dead. So the facts are amazing of what Jesus did. And so how have I really grown in my appreciation for Easter? It's not the message of the occasion that's like wanting, like, oh, I wish it was better than that. It doesn't get any better than that. Or does it? There's more. If we remember that it's not just punching a ticket to heaven someday, that Easter is not just for someday, but it's for every day, listen to this. It affects how we live. Verse six, we know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. A lot of complicated stuff in there. What does it mean to be crucified, to be no longer enslaved to sin, to be set free from sin? It means a lot of different things. I'll just tell you two of them very briefly. Number one, if you are in Christ and he is your Lord and Savior, then your sin does not condemn you. We do not walk around in guilt and shame because of what Christ has done. Our sin doesn't condemn us, and our sin doesn't control us. Because I'm in Christ, my sin doesn't condemn me, my sin doesn't control me. Let me explain the first one here. Condemn. Um, we, we tend to, I mean, we are broken and fallen, and so we are going to sin. We are gonna, we are, we're going to mess up. We're going to fall short, and it's going to have ripple effects. Sometimes it's just us. A lot of times it affects more people than just us. And when we have that, what do we do with that? When we fall short again and again and again, what do we do with that? What remedy do you have apart from the forgiveness of Jesus Christ? Well, the world tries a lot of things. One is to just move the goalposts a little bit and just go, well, I used to think this thing was bad, this thing was sin, this thing was out of bounds, there's a right and wrong, and this clearly falls in the wrong. But since I keep falling into this wrong, I'll just say it's not a big deal. I'll just say it's right. And I'll say something that's, <coughs> excuse me, wrong, and I'll just say it's right. The problem with that, of course, is that really doesn't assuage our conscience at all, though, does it? Because we... We know, we have a sense that, yeah, I did that. I moved the goalposts. I'm still carrying something from that. Or the other thing that happens, if you don't have the cross to go to, then just blame others. This is, a, this is huge. Like, this is two people. Um, 
Sometimes it's all one person's fault. It's almost never just one person's fault. And so what happens is this person, instead of owning their own stuff, blames this person, and this person doesn't want to own their stuff. They blame this person. And all this person sees is all the bad stuff over here, and all this person sees is the bad stuff over here. And so what happens is you have two people that can't unify around the cross of Jesus Christ just blaming each other for it. Well, that's not a remedy either. Well, just forgive yourself. Time will heal, will heal all wounds. Well, listen, if we're going to try and forgive ourselves, the way we do that is we intuitively go, I messed up, some price has to be paid, and the most common way we do it is to just carry around shame and guilt. There's something so much better, and the cross says that we have a place to go with our sin that we can go to the cross, that we can experience the fullness of forgiveness. Because to truly be forgiven, you have to go to the person that you ultimately offended, which is God, and there has to be a sacrifice that's sufficient. And both of those happened at the cross through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. We will walk around carrying this big weight of guilt and shame unless we go to the cross in Christ, we have both of those. We have the one we've offended and the one that's worthy to forgive us in one. If we want this peace, listen to this quote from an Anglican clergyman. Peace of conscience, conscience is nothing but the echo of pardoning mercy. Peace of conscience is nothing but the echo of pardoning mercy, meaning that if we want this peace of our conscience, what we do is we receive the mercy of God and the echo, kind of the aftershock, the after effect of that, is his peace, because it comes from God himself. Our sin doesn't condemn us if we're in Jesus Christ. And the other thing it does is our sin doesn't control us. Listen, before you were, I'll speak first person. Before I was a Christian, I did some really good things that happened to line up with what the Bible said to do. And I'm glad I did, because I have to choose some kind of behavior, so I might as well pick that. But the reality is, if I were to go back and look at why did I do the things that I did, why was I a good boy when I was growing up? Well, probably because um, it was self-centered, meaning kind of avoided the wrath of my mom. Um, I, I would go to you know church, we were at church all the time, and I would be there, and people would think I was a good kid. The people would be like, daughters would be like, you ought to go date Jim, you know, he's, he's like a good boy kind of thing. Go hang out at Jim's house, he's the, he's the good boy. And so I did those things and I realized a lot of it was out of self-preservation or really selfish motives. I was doing good things, I just had the wrong motives. And that's how, and for me, and that's how it works with our sin is that's all I could do. Before I was a Christian, I can't do things that just bring glory and honor and praise to God. Now I can. And so all of a sudden, as I'm growing up and what I'm teaching my kids is these are good things to do, and they, but shift the focus of it to say, I am gonna, this, this thing is no longer going to look good on the outside, but be rotten and selfish on the inside. We have something greater to live for than just ourselves. We have something greater. We have the one that rose from the grave. Supernaturally speaking, we are dead to sin and alive to God in Christ. And we are able to do good works that bring uh, glory to him, do good works that please him. Because of Easter, our sin doesn't condemn us or control us. And it's easy to just say those words, but how do we know that that's actually true? Because that's an invisible reality that's happening. And so think about the time when Jesus was there and there was a paralyzed man and he tells him his sins are forgiven. 
And all the religious leaders said, you can't tell him his sins are forgiven. I, I could come to you and go, well, your sins are forgiven. Like anybody can just say it. And they're going, who are you to say your sins are forgiven? You're blaspheming. People can't even see or tell that that really happened anyway. And so what does he do? He says, what's easier, to say your sins are forgiven or to tell this man who can't walk to get up and walk? And then he says, get up, walk. Your sins are forgiven. You know what he's doing? He's saying, I was trying to declare this invisible supernatural reality. But so you can check me on it, I'm going to give you a visible thing that is supernatural as well. So you can know that if that's true, this is true. So when we say that we're free from condemnation because of what Jesus Christ has done, and you're going, oh, that's a big claim, the grave is empty. I mean, Jesus is alive and Jesus is resurrected. There's a visible truth that we can know and we can see. So what he says about the invisible truths, we can know to be true as well. So it's an amazing, amazing message of Easter. That's not why I have to grow in my affections, if you will, for Easter. I think the reason why Christmas... Um, becomes bigger for me is this. How often do we talk about Mary and Joseph? How often do we talk about the star? How often do we talk about the wise men? Usually about once a year. How often do we talk about this gospel message of what Jesus Christ has done? I did it seven days ago. And I did it seven days before that. And I did it seven days before that. And every time we get up here to preach and explain what the Bible says, we're coming back to this gospel message. And so all we have on our little Sundays are just mini Easter after mini Easter. We're celebrating it over and over and over and over and over. And so that's where I wonder if because the message of Easter is not something that we stop down and just talk about once a year. It is week after week after week because Easter is not just about someday, but it's about every day. Look at this. For the death he died, Jesus died. He died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. This is the application of this. Consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. He's saying live like this stuff is true. Don't walk around with this, this weight of condemnation and guilt and shame. Christ has paid for it. And if you are in Christ and you've trusted him, trust that he took that. Live in light of these realities that he's proclaiming to us. Easter is not just about someday. It's every day. Paul wrote, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives within me. There was a man that came to faith very late in his life. And he realized who his old self was, and then that he had, <coughs> excuse me, two years near the end of his life of walking with Christ. So here's what he had. He demanded this be on his tombstone. It said, John Evans, born 1850, died 1915. Age, two years. When condemning thoughts come into your mind instead of doing this, instead of going, ah, oh, I know I'm not supposed to think that way. That's just another condemning thought. Instead of thinking that, here's what you do. When you start thinking, is my sin really forgiven? If you are in Christ and if you have trusted him and you start getting this condemnation that you need to carry your shame and your guilt and your sin and that it wasn't paid for by Christ, if you start feeling that, here's how you respond. You think, that is a lie. 
That's a lie. Christ has paid for it. Christ has granted us forgiveness. Our sin doesn't condemn us. We live free from condemnation because we are. We live free from control of our sin because we are. There was a rabbi who passed away in um, 2013. I'm not going to pronounce his name. I'll say it wrong. And um, Patton's Third Army had just liberated this concentration camp. And um, all these Jews, all these men were in these barracks. And they'd been in there for a while. And then people had come in and they kept telling them, You're, you've been liberated. You, you can leave. But they weren't speaking in a language they understood, and they saw people, the soldiers in uniforms, and so they thought, okay, this is just somebody else coming to oppress us, and so they just stayed in the barracks. And finally, this rabbi came in and spoke in Yiddish, and they understood it. And he said, peace be upon you, Jews. You are free. He shared those words of freedom, and as soon as they heard it in their own language, they started to stand up, and they started to walk out, and they went by all the other different barracks, and they started going in, and they started just crying out, peace be upon you, you are free, peace be upon you, you are free, peace be upon you, you are free, and as the story goes, and they just marched right out of the concentration camp in their freedom. Easter says you are free. And Christians, we need to quit living in the barracks as though we're not. We are free. We live free every day. Our sin doesn't control us. Our sin doesn't condemn us. We don't walk around as a slave to that worst thing that we have done. We don't wallow in guilt trying to pay some price. The price has been paid. And Easter is not just for someday, but it's for every day. When I was, um, so I've got three kids and um, they shared a crib, not at the same time, they shared a crib, the way we passed it down. And uh, then when they got done with it, my wife said, can you take it and donate it? And I looked at it and I was like, I think so. I was going to try and break it down. And it, it literally broke down to like get in the car. I mean, it was, it was shot. And um, I, I actually, as I was breaking it down, I thought, I can't believe my kids didn't get hurt in this crib. And there's like, you know, teeth marks all over it. I mean, and so we got it. And I, and I, um, <clears throat> I finally got it. And I brought it down to the place where they were going to, uh, where I was going to donate it. And they looked at it. And they were like, we'll take anything. And they looked at our crib. And they laughed. And so I got home to Nikki. And I said, and she said, um, did you donate it? And I was like, mm-hmm, yeah, I donated it. And instead, what I had done is I took it to a, a woodworker contact that I had at the time, and I asked him to make something for me. Um, you know the, the whole thing, like if a building was on fire, what would you grab? This is what I would grab. This is in my office right here. This is a, uh, a cross that some... Oh, I need to patch my wall too, I guess. This is a cross that, a, um, that this man made from uh, the slats of my kid's cribs. And, uh, and then I also, he had a bunch of other wood, and so he made a whole bunch of these for us as well. This is a slat from the, uh, the crib that held my kids. And I, Nikki still thinks I donated, or at the time she thought I donated the thing, and it got to Christmas, and I had a bunch of these and gave some to my kids, and I gave one to Nikki, and then I gave um, one to grandparents and so on, extended family. When I gave it to him, I just very simply, especially to my kids, I said, um, 
I told them where it came from, and I said, this is the wood from the crib that held you when you were young. And now we've turned it into a cross, so you can remember the one who holds you now and will hold you forever. That's the message of the cross of Jesus Christ. That's a message of the empty tomb. That Easter is not just about someday. It is about right now as well. Let's pray. Father, thank you that the, that the, the empty tomb <coughs> says what you said on the cross, that it is finished, that the price has been paid, the, the, the price is sufficient. We don't have to walk around bearing guilt and shame as though we're adding to the sacrificial love that you showed on the cross. So, Father, I do pray for people today <clears throat> that maybe have never trusted you as Lord and Savior, that they would do that, even in this moment, or find somebody they know that's a Christian that could talk them through what that means. And God, I pray, um, I pray for anybody that has felt like Easter is just about someday we'll be with him, and that you would open our eyes that we might see the implications of this gospel message over and over all the days of our life.